This is Music Ed Amplified. Hello, my party people. Okay, who am I kidding? If you're a teacher listening to this right now, you're probably not a party person, but more likely a music teacher drowning in that chaotic December madness. Do you remember my favorite December motto? It's the least wonderful time of the year. Nevertheless, let me welcome you back to this, Season 3 of the Music Ed Amplified podcast, a place to engage in real talk about what it's like to be a music teacher and just a teacher and human in general. We also discuss the work of creating more joyful, just, brave, inclusive, affirming, loving, anti-racist, anti-biased, anti-ableist, super fun music spaces. You know, all the easy stuff. Anyway, I don't want to waste any more time blathering on so that we can get on to today's incredibly special guest, the first of this new season. Donovan Taylor Hall is an educator, coach, speaker, content creator, musician, and above all else, an advocate for young people. His work centers around equipping kids with the tools they need to build a positive relationship with themselves so they're able to flourish holistically and not just academically. Donovan accomplishes this through a combination of social-emotional learning, educational psychology, and positive youth development. For two years, he worked at a middle school teaching an academic support class that allowed him to teach what he calls his self-skills curriculum. His focus was on teaching kids skills to take care of themselves mentally and emotionally, which forms the foundation of all his work. I wish I could easily convey the profundity of this interview for me. I hope it shines through as you listen. Because honestly, I've got four podcast seasons worth of interviews under my belt, but this episode with Donovan was both powerful and remarkable. Normally, whenever I start a podcast recording with a guest, we chat, and that lasts maybe 10 to 15 minutes before we decide to officially begin the interview. But this time, and I'm not exaggerating, from the word go, Donovan and I just clicked into conversation. About 30 minutes in, I realized that I might as well scrap the questions I had prepared ahead of time and just go with it. I didn't look at even one of my guiding questions during the hundred minutes we talked, not one. I hope you love listening as much as we enjoyed talking. And fair warning before we start, the very beginning sounds a bit abrupt since we edited out the part of the conversation that came right before it since I had been talking about a specific situation at school. So I'm going to drop you in right after that part. So for context, just remember, Donovan and I had just been dialoguing about my discouragement over perplexing situation at work. It's tough because like I was just talking about this on another podcast yesterday. Someone was like, oh, did you need someone when you were younger to to be like a Mr. Donovan for you? And I was like, no, I actually needed somebody to kick my ass a little bit because... (laughs) 
because what I didn't have at home in terms of accountability, right? I started engaging in behaviors and this happened later when I was in middle school towards high school. So I wasn't like attacking people and stuff, right. but eventually it turned into substance abuse, right? Where mm-hmm. I was engaging in behaviors and there was no accountability. Yeah. And so what I, and when I used to teach kids uh, and it, the, the lack of accountability, I love my mom. I love her to death. She lost her husband. She raised four kids. She yeah. was a teacher. And I, and I hid everything from her. So she was like, my perfect angel, at least you're okay. And I'm like, right. I'm actually <laughs> suffering. Um, but oh. the teacher that had an impact on me the most was Mr. Barker. Cause Mr. Barker called me out one day and he was like, yo, do better. Like he was basically like, what the hell are you doing? Like you were so much more than this. Mm-hmm. And, and that kind of accountability showed me that people cared for me and I didn't have to act out in order to feel protected. That's middle school where I have a little more self-control. I can regulate myself better. But with these younger kids, you know, I go into these spaces, I go into podcasts and people are like, oh, teachers should be like you and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yo, I left the classroom for a reason. I left the classroom because being Mr. Donovan in the classroom is not sustainable. Like I was teaching my curriculum in one specific course. Like I had a class to teach that. Like I was not teaching math and being like, self love, right? Like I had like a (laughs) self. Like I had that class to do it. And my, my teeth, my principal pulled me aside halfway through the school year, my second year of teaching. And he was like, bro, I'm worried about you. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> Again, and he was like, you're taking on too much. Like you can't, like every time the kids are struggling, you're taking it on and you're holding emotional space for them because you love them, but that's not sustainable. And I was like, you're right. You're right. And I left the classroom because I knew what I wanted to do was on a larger scale. So I go into these spaces and people expect me to be like, teachers, like heart first. You know what I mean? But I'm like, no, like, hell no. Like, and the kids would be like, can you teach me math? And I'm like, absolutely not. But I can teach you how to get better at learning. Right. Right. But right. Right. Well, I think people don't understand. First of all, my trajectory as a person who we've been working with kids, they when the Today Show thing happened, it was like Mr. Donovan began his mission here, and I'm and I was like, I began my mission ten years ago, actually, <laughs> when I threw a party in my house. Yeah, <laughs> like telling all my friends that I was going to be a public figure for kids. Like this was the goal, and so I, it's kind of cool because sometimes I'll go on in spaces where they like think like administrators will be like, come and you know motivate these teachers, and I'm like, uh, hi, treat teachers better, please. Right. Like, and if you need to leave the classroom because you're not being taken care of, I support you 100. percent They're like, right? wait, like, that's not the story. Yeah, they're like. <laughs> And I'm like, you. no, listen, listen. <laughs> so it's like, how do you, and, and I think that it's so important too, to recognize, like I had a co-teacher too. So when we would have these moments where kids were struggling, I was able to take a kid out and I was able to have a conversation with them and the class could continue. Right. right? And right. there was no core curriculum standards that we had to meet. There was nothing right. that was like, you have to do this in this space. Mm. Did the kids learn? Absolutely. Did they grow? Absolutely. Were they challenged? Did they have projects? Absolutely. The only difference was the goal was for them to build a better relationship with themselves, not right. to get a grade. Right. That was, the, and and my last year too, like, I guess you can share this now. You feel free to share any. Feel free to share any of that. I like changed their grades because I was like on my way out, and I was like, "This kid needs a four. This kid needs a four. This kid needs a four. I never lowered anyone's grade. Right. I bumped all of them up sure. because it was like, "You want me to grade kids on gratitude, or you want me to grade kids on like their relationship with themselves?" And I just can't do it. Right. right. And so 
I, I think like one of the things I really, this, cause I had my first production meeting for my TV show that I'm doing. Right. Uh, and I was thinking like, I, like if I'm going to make a series about education, I want to talk about the demands that teachers are under, right? Like what that kid is going through is mm. it's so crystal clear that there is so much happening in this kid's life and that they need support. And why are teachers the ones who are having to hold that space for that individual yep. child while there's an entire class that they're also responsible for, right. which is one class of how many other classes, right? right? right. So it makes me like, it, it It frustrates me so much. I got into like an argument with a dude. He never released a podcast episode. And I'm like, I'm like, release it right <laughs> release it because I was pissed because he was like well these teachers are just you know they want to take care of themselves more than they take care of the kids and I was like yes oh my word. We, yeah I was like what are we teaching what are we teaching our kids to burn yourself down to the right. ground to work to Absolutely. work in a system that does not respect you that does not pay you that does not offer you the support that you need do it because it's the right thing to do right. how about when we treat ourselves right showing these kids that that is a, a lesson to learn sure. is that you got to take care of yourself and capitalism and in every sense <laughs> will never take care of you. Okay. I never, I never go on my capitalism rant. Yeah. I was just talking to someone. I was like, I heard in another district that sometimes it feels like they don't care about the teachers. And so you're telling a teacher about social emotional learning without really schooling them on what mm -hmm. it means. Yes, yeah, like what? Mm -hmm. Sorry. And Sorry. no, no. And it's like, not only are you doing that, but you're telling the classroom teachers that each one of them must attend to the social emotional needs of each of their 24 to 34 students. Like what? And get them academically up to speed. And help them recover from the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, what about the social emotional needs of the teachers yes. who yes. are working with the students? Yes. Because I really feel like not only do you not care about this, but it feels like you haven't even given it a one iota yeah. of thought. But if you don't, as you are explaining the importance of social emotional learning, it just feels a little ironic. Yes, it is. Inc it's incredibly <laughs> ironic. Are you kidding me? It is absolutely <laughs> wild. It is, it, it is so wild to me that that is the expectation. And, and it makes me so frustrated because what's happening now is that like this, I left teaching because they were like, you should go to school for art or something. And then you can teach the stuff with art. And I was like, no, I'm not going to go learn art to teach self-expression through art. I'm not doing right, that. Right. Because this needs to be its own thing. There are yeah. and there are people out here who there are positive youth development specialists in, in so many different arenas who have access to social emotional learning experiences, who can get certified, who can who are credible people, the camp counselors of the world, the people mm. who hold space and positive youth development programs mm. have such a closer access to these things, but then they're putting it on teachers and then they want to blame teachers for not doing enough. And <laughs> I, I want to talk about music because I'm obsessed with music. Like and I <laughs> never ever been able to talk about it on Yay. any podcast or any space but <laughs> let's also talk about the collective trauma that american teachers are going through mm -hmm. in terms of the safety of their kids and the safety of themselves yep. 
right? And we never mention that. Nope. What other job besides cops, right? What other right. job has to worry about their, their, well, I mean, in America now. Right. Oh, man. Here we go. In America now, it's in danger of a right. mass shooting. But Absolutely. schools are not safe. Schools are not safe. Nope. Schools are not safe for teachers. They're not safe for kids. They're not safe for administrators. It's it's and and then to be like social emotional learning is the skill is wild. Is well, wild. I'm like you're not wrong, but um, just but this is not the way I to do know, it. Bro. I never got taught how to do this, and it's, so. Like they started talking about it. I've been shouting about this. I'm like, I've been shouting about this, but I've been developing this curriculum. I've been developing this work. I've been developing this vision and this path for myself because I understood that I can't, the school, I will be, I will be literally dead in three years if I continue the path that I was going because it takes so much. I was doing a great job of social emotional learning and it was still unsafe for me. It was unsafe. I didn't know how to set boundaries with myself. I didn't understand emotional weight. I didn't understand what it was like to love 130 kids on a deeper level, to be worried about how a kid is feeling every single one of my kids. And then to then, when they moved up, I was like, I got to do it again. Right. Here comes a new group. I was like, a new group. (laughs) And I was like, move me up with them or I quit. And he was like, okay, so Donovan's going to eighth grade. And I was (laughs) like, I can't do it. And I actually, I've never told anybody this except for the kids. And they were so upset. I didn't think that they would be upset by this, but I was trying to get out of the classroom and then COVID happened. And I was like, I love teaching. (laughs) Please don't, (laughs) don't quit yet. I don't have anything lined up. I'm not ready. (laughs) I was like, so grateful for this job um, absolutely and I had the kids call me Mr. Hall for the first time because Whoa. I was like trying to create an emotional boundary because hearing a kid say Mr. Donovan from ages <laughs> kindergarten when they're like Mr. Donovan all the way up to college <laughs> eight, like my college kids who still call me Mr. Donovan it just pulls at my heartstring immediately oh, like I don't know if you can see but yeah. my wall Pictures. of all my kids for 12 years so I was like I'm Mr. Hall to you and they were like hey, okay thanks Mr. Hall and I'm like yeah shit. It's still, it didn't work I still love you uh, but it's like I knew that I had to put myself in a more the reason I'm moving in a public figure kind of way is is because I can't be that for everyone. I can't be that loving and caring teacher in every single classroom. It It, it is literally, and, and this is something I know we're going to explore too. It These past couple of years, almost the past five years, since I really dove into Dono Friend and really taking care of kids and really learning about ho- holding space for them in schools and mm-hmm. It has taken such an emotional drain on oh me. Oh my gosh, I can't even that, imagine. That it's like I I think before the t- like before the pandemic, I was like I don't know if I can go on. Right. I don't know if I can work with kids anymore. Right at all. At all. I am used up. It it takes so much love and care to feel this way all the time. And so then you have people being like, oh, well, every teacher should be like, you know, my God, I hope not. Right. We're going to have a lot more therapy. I'm finding because I'm starting to open up more connecting with each student. And when you're a specialist, you're seeing everybody in the building. Mm-hmm. That, it, as you describe, um, takes a toll, it's, you know, on it does. you. And so it's like, it's easier to just be like, listen, I just come in here. I just do this, mm-hmm. do it the way I mm-hmm. want you to do it. This is such, 
I just, I know everybody struggles in their jobs. You know, there's not a job that I'm aware of that's just like unicorns and like roses, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But I'm just speaking to what we do. It's hard, especially yeah. in a climate where we are now like persona non grata. Like, yes. you know, yes. so you have that, you know, you have all the kind of inside the building struggles. And now you have this perception from the public mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. we're either like complaining or we're sitting on a lounge chair, you know, in the summer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's yeah. just like, man, you are asking yourselves why people are leaving education. It's so painfully obvious. Yes. You've, How do you not know? You've driven us out. Yeah. You And it, what a shame. You know, the thing I was thinking about, I've never said this before, so I'm really grateful that we have the space to have this talk, is this idea that, like, if you want teachers to have the capacity to build relationships with their kids, to have these communities, to have love, to have safety, then take care of your damn teachers. Yeah. Right? Not Do not science. ask teachers to pull that out of their butt and yep. then expect them to show up and be Mr. Rogers in the classroom. Mm -hmm. When at one of the schools I worked at, it was like half the teachers had second jobs. Oh, of course. The teachers are leaving and they're driving Uber. And I'm yes. like, bro, what? Yes. You got to go from teaching seventh graders to mm -hmm. driving Uber just to provide for your family. Right. And then and then you have a school coming in and saying, time to learn something new. Right. Like you need to do more. That's wild. And That's do wild. it on your own. Do it on your and own. Do it on your own. And it's, do it on your own. And I, I want to share this. I think this will resonate with you. Um, I was um doing a presentation and it was a very large group of specialists. So uh, I mean like music specialists and some instrumental people, some working with older kids, some working with younger kids. And this is I totally understood why this person said this. I was talking about the power of belonging, right? Mm -hmm. The importance of belonging, even neurologically, right? Mm -hmm. So we know that we have this kind of neurological drive uh, to belong. And to bottom line it, it's like, we're going to seek places to belong. That's not yes. the question. Yes. Um, the question is, how can we provide a good place mm -hmm. for these kids to belong as opposed to going with someone who's going to lead them towards substance abuse or mm -hmm. towards bullying somebody or towards. So we need affiliation. We, we need this. So I was saying, here are some ways. And I'm like, I'm not an expert in this. But mm -hmm. as I just look at the research and think with my brain, it seems like here are some pockets of places we can do this in music. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not. And then, of course, we can't compromise the musical instruction. So this kind of speaks to what you've been talking about. Um, and I was saying, so here's the thing we can do. Or you can have this conversation. And I talked about how one conversation in a class led to a very big conversation about a student whose father um, walked from a Central American country all the mm -hmm. way to the border of the United States. And it turned into this beautiful conversation but painful yeah with like nine-year-olds this one teacher not even if they were intending to be snarky was like well and i guess i'm not teaching half notes today mm. and i said listen i get it i i get it but if i'm gonna err i'll err on the side of losing the instruction on the half notes for the day yeah 
But I also understand what you're saying because if I spend 40 minutes talking with the students about this, I think it's the more important thing, obviously. But also I am expected to teach these other things. Yeah. Yes, you have you have you have expectations. That's that's why I was like, my job is is single-handedly out of all the teachers in my school, my job is the easiest and also one of the most taxing jobs. But it's easy because all I gotta do is build relationships with these kids. Yeah. That's all I gotta do. Like one time a kid was like, I don't know what we're learning right now, but I love you, so I'm here. And I was like, Wow, that is so telling. That's profound. I'm gonna yeah. take that and think about it, right? And at first I was like, Man, they don't understand what I'm teaching them, but it was like, No, it's what it what this kid said was like there's this sense of belonging here. And 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 I and I'm willing to show up and be a part of whatever happens here because I know that I'm good here and I know that I'm safe here. And I think I was just talking earlier today about some people who were like, oh, well, kids only care about social media. What you are talking about with the feeling of belonging is massive, yeah. right? And, and kids seeking belonging and safety is a huge part of why I do the work that I do. And something that I think that a lot of teachers are hyper aware of, but because of our restrictions, because of the things that are put on teachers in terms of what they have to pull off in order to show that they have, that these kids can do, I don't even know what the hell grades are doing at this point, <laughs> but it's like, People don't recognize that for so many people, school is not a place of belonging. No, and it's because of the academic the, pressure. Yeah. It's because of that. We say whatever you want, right? Guess what? I had great grades as a kid and I wanted to kill myself. Yeah. You're I like, had great grades. I was what like, is our oh, focus? Hey, yeah. Myself, right? <laughs> and they told me if I did the right thing, I would feel better. And it wasn't true. Right. And I never felt like I belonged with that school when I found my friends. Right. And we we started raging. I was yeah. like, I belong. You're here. like, here, here are my people. I belong here. This is where I feel safe. This is where I feel. And, and we were wild and out of control. And I love my friends to death you know, back then and now. But I look back and it was like I was seeking it. And, and and so people are like, well, kids shouldn't care about social media. They should care about their grades. And I'm like, so no you way. want someone to shift from don't care about external validation, care about this external validation, not right. care about learning and expanding and growing. Right, right. Right. The, the, worry about, care about what, Yeah, care, worry about what we tell you has yes. importance. Yes. And, you know, it's funny. I, I'm thinking about the the work that you do and like um, the thing on Twitch. Yeah, that's right. Okay, <laughs> guys, I am super hip. I don't want to scare you, but I I'm, love hearing people talk about Twitch. They're like, I don't know what Twitch I, is. I may have spelled it Stitch um, in my notes at first. Uh, Ethan and Owen, my two oldest, the bigs, as we call them, when they were uh, much younger, so we homeschooled them, but we would just debate because we do this a lot at the table at my house. But yeah. they'd be talking about video games, and I'm like, and by the way, this just happened like two nights ago too, even. They oh, wow. started talking about something and I was like, the whole family. But then I had to say, look at the five people connecting. The father, the four mm -hmm. kids. Mm -hmm. They're all talking. I mean, it's just boring to me. So I'm like, I'm really the problem <laughs> at the table. Yeah. Like, So I'm like, I don't have to pretend to like it, but I can enjoy how much they're connecting. Yeah, and yeah. That this 50-year-old dad and the kids are like, did you see this? And the new thing is coming out and blah, blah, blah. Well, I remember arguing with the boys. They kept saying, mom, I just think you're looking at this the wrong way. Your viewpoint is like video games are terrible, um, melting the minds of the children and blah, blah, blah. 
but what about this and this and this and this? And I'm telling you, it took a few years and I'm still not like sold. Like, yeah, oh, it's yeah. great. But for the first time I was like, oh, I see what you're saying. They're like, mom, this is us. Like yeah. this. <laughs> oh gosh, did I just say that? Because I think that's a video game. That's a whole point. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a TV show. Growth well, mindset. All I'm saying is my sons convinced me at least to be more open-minded about, well, for sure I can acknowledge the importance of these games. And during the pandemic, I would listen to, I'm like, listen to my teenage sons with their like four best friends. They share kind of, for the most part, the same friend group. They, they're playing these games. And this is, maybe this is my kids, but I just love, like the oldest one's like, love you, dude. Love you too. Yeah. Love you. Yes. And they're like yeah. playing these games. And I'm like, because part of me is just like, oh, this like killing game. I can't stand it. Mm-hmm. And da, da, da. But then I was just listening to them and I'm thinking, this is their community right now. Yes. There's belonging for them. Yeah. And, and there's so many kids who would normally have no friends. And there are so many kids who normal who do struggle in actual person who have communities online. And I and I think the thing about video games and and this is something that's really important in my work in general is like education is not geared towards kids. Education is picked by adults who You're say, right. this is the thing that you should care about. And a so lot of I white ask, adults, by the way. Yeah. Yes. Mm. <laughs> that's next episode. Um, <laughs> capitalism and white adults. <laughs> We're going to have to start our own separate podcast. <laughs> People keep like... asking me to make a podcast and I was like, I have to co-host oh. with a kid, but I started thinking about it. I'm video games make me feel I've been thinking about this idea of like how we hate certain things. A lot of times we'll say like some for math. I hate math, right? I don't have anything personally against math, right? I'm not like I don't see numbers (laughs) and I'm like, yo, I want to fight these numbers, right? (laughs) But what I realized recently, because I've always been like, I do hate math, I do genuinely hate the experience but what I learned was more about how I hate how it makes me feel about myself yes yes right and so when and and because we live in this society that demands perfection that does not recognize and lift up growth and recognize that practice and time and effort help you get better at something a lot of people are conditioned to feel crappy about not being good at something when in reality you can't just be good at something you got to put time and practice and effort into it and so I'm trying to teach kids these things and it's like they don't care about that with math because math I'm coming up against years of conditioning right like I I can say like well math doesn't matter then they go to math and they're like hi math matters here we are right 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 So it's an uphill battle. Video games, when I start talking about growth mindset and video games, the kids are like, oh, that's growth mindset. Because suddenly it's like, I will I will spend hours figuring this level out, right? right? I will try different strategies. I will fail today and get back up tomorrow and try again. And it's fun and it's engaging. I struggle with the killing. I do. Mm-hmm. And I struggle with the toxic stuff that happens. I, I get that. There's a lot of scary things that people glam are glorified sure. in some of those spaces so something like call of duty which is a really like a really popular game with kids i went in opened the ch- the the lobby chat and was immediately hate crimes <laughs> by like seven people i was like oh my god <laughs> like on several different levels they're like beep 
this, you beep, I'll kill you, beep. And I was like, okay, oh, okay. like I just I just told everybody in the world that video games were good. Right, right. And so I started thinking about like, let me build my community because if I'm gonna teach kids that it's okay to make mistakes, that mistakes are a part of learning. Not only is it okay, but it is crucial. Right. And that making mistakes when you're learning something new is not about you as a person and you being a bad person or you being dumb. It's I'm learning to get better at this thing. Of course. And that is the experience that we want to create in school. But because school is connected so deeply to these systems of power, right? Grades, right? When a kid gets a B, they're like, it's not good enough. When in reality, a B reflects a ton of work. If a kid goes from an F to a D, right. that is worth celebrating, right? Yeah. If a kid goes from an F minus to an F plus, that is worth celebrating. But because of the stigma around grades, because of the pressure that we put onto kids, right, to make their grades about our perception of them, right? You ask a kid, how is school going? Kids need to worry about school. Why? Why do we want kids to worry about school, right? It is It feeds into capitalism. It feeds into the workforce, right? right? We need people who go out and do that. But what we want kids to experience is the process of learning yeah. and being open. And so when I work with kids on building a positive relationship with themselves, it says that I, on my own, have innate value in this world, right? And that if I'm learning and things are challenging, I can persevere and get through these things. So for me, video games are perfect because I suck at video games. <laughs> Let me reframe that. I don't, I would quit if it was not easy. If I couldn't pick it up right away, I would quit because I hated the way that it made me feel to be bad at something. Me and I too. didn't understand why. Well, that's what we're conditioned to be. Yep. And one of the reasons that, um, one of the only areas in my life that I had grit, that I had the experience of it's you're supposed to be bad mm. when you start and get better is learning the viola. Right. And I, and I stuck Wait, with it from sixth till 12th grade. That's what my son plays. He's studying viola performance. That's, and I loved the viola, but here's the deal. It got to a certain place. I think I was maybe in high school where I started to realize that I needed to put more practice and time and effort into it. Well, I, I actually, I take that back. I realized I wasn't as good as I used to be. That's mm -hmm. in my head. I was like, oops, I hit my plateau. Right. I'll never be better than this. But in reality, I wasn't willing to sit with myself in the discomfort of not being good. Yeah. Right. And it wasn't my fault. It's not like I was a seven-year-old who was like, be good, be good. Right? right. It was what is drilled into our heads mm -hmm. through the education system. And now through the education system, through social media, right? There's all these different ways they're telling kids, you have to be good. You have to be great. And you don't have any space to not be that, right? Mm -hmm. You either are bad or you're good. And that is untrue. And, and it's such a shame because I love orchestra. Mm -hmm. I love the strings. And it's so interesting that we're talking today because Spotify wrapped happened. Yeah. Oh, oh how do I know? Because everybody and their goldfish telling me all about it. My number one person <laughs> is this man named Dan Romer, and he's a composer for movies. And um, I've been harassing this man for years, <laughs> seriously. And it's so cool to see him take off. Like, I found him through a movie called Beast of the Southern Wild. And um, music to me as a young person, when I was struggling, 
when I started listening to music and I started playing music, when I was listening to instrumental, I, I felt like someone had opened a door to feelings that I couldn't process. Someone said, this is sad, right? I was like, I listened to a song and I was like, shh, this is pain. This is sad. This is longing. This is grief. And I couldn't really articulate those things. And with Dan, he released this album called, I've never talked about this before. He released this album for a score for a movie called Sleepwalking in the Rift. And I never actually was able to see the film. I can't find it. I don't know if it was like a festival, film festival movie or something. I just could not find it. It's not on Netflix. It's not on anything. Mm -hmm. But during this time, when this score, when I found this score, I had failed out of grad school. I was in, I was exiting the only person I'd loved, the only relationship. It wasn't even a full relationship. I had to give up my dog who I raised as a puppy. I slept in my car for three days. I failed out of grad school. I failed out of grad school. And then they took my teaching job away because of it. And it was like, hey, we made this decision while you were on winter break. And so now that you're back, it's done, right? And I was suffering and I didn't know how to process this stuff. And when I listened to that score, I was like, this is it. This is how I feel. And it was this sense of like relief and and connection and unity of like connection to this human experience. And so when I think about how people downplay things like video games or downplay things like art and music for so many people these are some of the only spaces where people have access to their humanity where people where people can be proud of themselves these kids Mm -hmm. go to school and they feel like crap all the time because they have c's or you know they don't they don't feel connected to their education and they can come home and feel in control and grow and work hard at something same thing with instruments right same thing with art same thing with writing all these things that we that don't have that same pressure of academics, right? Look what it opens up for us. And music for me, music for me is, it's everything. It's everything. I I love music. It's, it's my favorite thing. And I, and I'm, I want to play the viola again and I've had a viola for years, but it's still that pressure of you're not good. You're Mm -hmm. not good. Don't do it. Right. And that has nothing to do with me trying to secure like a, a, you know, playing gig. Like I'm not trying to play for anybody but myself, but it's so much attached to this idea of if you're not good, then don't do it. It was like, I was watching the movie about Beast of the Southern Wild and it's so much about grief. Um, That's the first movie I found him with. And I, um, I've lost a lot of people in my life. A lot of my struggle as a young person came from death. Uh, My dad passed away when I was seven. And then when I got into high school, within three years, my grandpa, my godbrother, and then my best friend died. And and I was just so lost to it. And because I was I was doing the right things. I had friends. I had good grades. And also I was like raging. Right. So I was like doing both good things. I was like, damn, the adults are happy and my friends are happy because we're doing everything. But I was so sad. And music was the only thing that had that connection for me. But I had a teacher named Miss Moyer and she was my orchestra teacher from sixth until 12th grade. So she moved up with me from eighth grade to ninth grade. She just happened to take the high school orchestra oh, position. Oh, okay. And That's something awesome. I never really, something I never really talked with her about was like, 
when I was losing myself, when I was drowning and everyone was aware of it, but again, they thought it was childhood stuff. It's, he's getting good grades. I wasn't fighting like right, teachers. So like I wasn't be okay. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's raging a little bit, but you know, he's a, he's a teen and stuff like that. The only, the only area of my life that I was not allowed to give up in terms of like, this is going to be hard and you do need to step up is orchestra and actually talking about accountability. Um, there was a day where I think I smoked weed before school and I came in and this is like literally like no one, the first time I ever got caught doing something, I was 13 and someone in my life, I'm not going to say who, but someone in my life caught me running across like one of the busiest streets in the city wasted drunk a day after my grandpa's funeral and they were like, ooh, be smarter next time. And it was an adult in my life right. and didn't stop me, didn't have any conversation with me. And and Miss Moyer was so angry. And it wasn't, I, at first I was like, man, she's just being like a narc. But she was like, what are you doing, Donovan? What is right. happening? And I like, and I look back at it because because I didn't have accountability, I would push back really hard. Sure. And I and I basically made her feel like the villain in that situation where I was like, I was in the car, it happened, like, leave it alone, you're making a big deal. And she was like, what is happening with you? Like, I've known you this, right. and I never, and I never like thought about how, what I was doing until this person who had been with me for years, right? Who had been helping me grow as a person and with a skill, right? Who didn't let me quit when things were get hard, who pushed me, who gave me solos, who made me step up, who made me take first chair, who, who taught me that when I'm a, a senior, there is no reason I should be having people tune my instrument for me, right? <laughs> like she taught me all these things. And then I think about, I, I, I just saw her for the first time. I'll send you the video, but I just surprised her at my school, I, at the high school. I went back to see her and I, and I just wanted to tell her, thank you, because she did nurture that love for me. Uh. And, and I never meant to, and I, and I never needed to go anywhere, um, with music, but to have something, uh, for myself, something that takes care of me. Yeah. Um, the Dan Romer thing sounds silly, but his music, it gives me access to this part of me that is connected to this inner child of like sad Donnie who hid in his room and who listens at seventh grade, me listening to like scores, right. right? And being like, this is emotional, being black, being right. queer, not having anyone in my life who would talk to me about these things. Music was my key. Mm -hmm. And, and I feel like this, this podcast recording this episode, this conversation with everything that's happening in my life right now, like I need that experience of getting better at something for the sake of just mastery mm -hmm. for the sake of me. I just want to, I just want to have access to this. I want to be able to, to take this out and create this for myself. And I've always been afraid to, but when you think about what that, how that connects to learning, right. And we think right. about what we all, what so many people are afraid to try and experience because of how we're raised around learning and what we are, what we are conditioned to believe about ourselves that is connected to our learning, like we're missing so many opportunities. And I, if for any adult who is saying that video games are bad, like anytime we're pushing back on youth culture, that's a problem because yeah. that is what they need. Yep. That's what they need. 
people were like TV shows when we were kids. It's right. reading these kids. And before right. that, people were like books. I was reading yeah. an article someone wrote where they're like, all these young people reading their books. Yes. Like they're so disconnected. Like people are always mad that it's yes. not their culture. But if if we want to create youth-empowered education, we have to meet kids where they're at. Yep. And something that's really powerful that I've, I've, I've asked kids multiple times, what subjects would you pick? People always think that kids would pick like, dumb things. And kids are talking about things that they want to learn about. And it's things like financial planning. It's things like cooking. It's things like um, communication. It's things like editing. It's things like social media, like all these things that they are like super, all these things that they are interested in. No one is allowing space for those things. And so for me, it was like video games. I, I have to face that voice that says you're bad at this quit and I have to fa- and I can do it in a way that is authentic and I can be open about it and kids can witness and and hear my monologue and and then kids can direct me right they have practice so one of the things I was just playing video games the other day and I was like man I am trash because I kept losing and the kids were like you got this Mr. Donovan you got this and I was like I'm trash and one of the kids was like how many times have you played this game he just stopped me. And I was like, oh, my word, my third time. And he was like, yeah, Mr. Donovan. He was like, these people that you're playing against spend hours every single day right. for years <laughs> playing this game. He was like, of course, you're not going to be great at it in the beginning. And he's like, but you're getting better. Right. And I'm listening to this kid talk to me he's about this. And he's, you. <laughs> he's coaching me. Right. And so what a what a powerful experience to be able to show kids not only that 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 you can get better and that it and that part of you know this process is self-doubt, part of is self-talk, but then you can shift to these things. But then to recognize that all of these things apply to getting better at anything whether it's, I want to get better at math, whether it's what I want to get better at driving, or I want to get better at loving myself, or I want to get better at at feeling good about who I am. All of these things take time, practice, and effort, but there aren't enough spaces to think about what this process looks like. And music in, in schools is one of the few places, right, where that is normalized. Yeah. That is a part of it. No one picks up an instrument and is just amazing at it. Right, right, right. It sound my mom said it sounded like somebody was drowning cats the first time I played it. <laughs> and she gets so upset because my mom is amazing. Everyone, if you <laughs> if you've seen my social media, you know I love my mom. But she would she would make a joke about me when I was playing right, was right. practicing. And she would be like, It sounds like you're killing cats. Oh, I know. And I was a, like, I always talk to parents about that. I'm like, that's not helpful. It has to sound like that. Of People course. post videos of like a middle school band and it's like three, two, one. It's like <laughs> Yeah, like, yes, it's supposed to sound like that. Absolutely. It's supposed to sound like that, yes, you know? And yes. I think if I didn't have access to music, I don't know if I would have the same level of emotional intelligence. Yeah. If I didn't, and, and Dan is like, oops, released a new score. And I'm like, great, next chapter of my life. I won't even watch, <laughs> I won't even watch the stuff that he scored right. because I don't want to taint like, or, right. you know, in my head, I was like, this score is for me. And then in reality, it's about like that. some journalist in right, Africa, right. right? And I'm like, no, this is my story, right? Like has nothing to do with me. No, Not that's beautiful. I mean, that's like hearing a story um, mm-hmm. or reading the book before you see a movie. These these impressions that um, music have for us, like when uh, we do movement in class and, and I have a lot of teachers who will say, do you explain these movements or give a theme. And I'm like, you know, I don't because I want them 
I'm trying to engage and help them grow their imagination. And so I want them to envision what it is we're doing and tell me and then mm-hmm. listen to how it's different for every person. Like yeah. that was like I was moving like in a baseball game. I was moving like I was underwater. I was mm-hmm. moving, and then I tell them, "This is one of the pieces of magic of music, is mm-hmm. that we listen to the same thing, and mm-hmm. we come out with such different perceptions. And guess what? This is one of the few places in life where there's no right and there's no wrong. Yeah. Oh." Even the composer cannot tell you mm-hmm. what that means to you. Not even the person who created it can dictate the meaning of that music. If you want to know what they thought, sure, sure, you can sure. ask. I'm thinking like if my kids were listening to this, they'd say, you know, the music room is a safe place to take a risk and make a mistake. Mm-hmm. And this is one of our, we have like pillars of music and that's one of them. And today a kid said to me, I was like, oh, I keep messing up the lyrics of this one song that has like all these lyrics. And he said, don't forget, you got to be brave, Dr. Strong. You got to take a risk Mm -hmm. and you got to make a mistake. And in this space, it's okay to make a mistake. And then the one kid's like, it's better than okay. It's just part of the process. Because I'm like, you know, you hear this kind of thing all the time, grownups like, but this is the truth. You pick up that flute, you pick up those drumsticks, you're going to make a mistake. You probably made a mistake already in how you're holding it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then guess how you're going to learn how to do it? By making the mistakes, correcting those mistakes, and it's okay. And I'm always like, the biggest thing is, if you have um, the attitude of, I won't try, that's when I get upset. Yeah. Now, if you try and then you try a lot and it's just after a while, it's not your thing. Then we tried. And we said we, we could say we did it. Yeah. If you yeah. try and you, you're kind of good at it, but you keep. But it's so funny because I, as you're talking. So I was a flute player um, from middle school all the way through high school. And then in college, I was a voice. And so I played my flute a bit, whatever. Maybe 10 years ago, I brought it out. And I started playing and it sounded terrible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I put it down. I put it down and I was like, well, I guess I'm done with the flute. Yep. But what a silly, I mean, it's understandable based on what yeah. we've been talking about. Yeah. But like my feeling was I used to be so good at this and I'm mm-hmm. not I'm not even willing to be less than I used to be. So that's a whole different thing. Yes. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But now as you're talking, I'm like, there can be, I can derive pleasure from playing the flute and I have to accept who I am in the moment and know that I can keep growing. And I might never be that like 21 year old flutist. Mm -hmm. Maybe I will be, maybe I won't be. But why do I play this instrument? It's not for yeah. perfection. It never was. It never could have been. And and look at that moment of self-acceptance. Look at that. You look know, at- and I, I bought my viola and I took lessons and I was like excited about it. And then I couldn't find space to play without being embarrassed. Yeah. 
And so now having my own place, I know where my viola is. I have to get it sent out to me because it's in California. But I kept people are like, oh, my mom's like, you just sell it. Like, you don't play it. And I'm no. like, no, one day, one day. But I, you know, something I would offer to, to anyone working with kids, if kids are not willing to try something, a lot of times it's fear. Yeah, sure. It's fear of having to face that person. Because it's that is, what it is feel for good us. Enough. <laughs> yes, it's the same thing. It is a human experience. I'll tell you this. When I started doing TikTok and stuff, um, I've been looking at a way to show this work for I've been trying to figure out how to show this work without exploiting kids. Like right. I just didn't want to like if kids are talking about personal stuff and I'm showing videos of them talking about their personal lives, that's emotional voyeurism and I hate yeah, it. And it's yeah. exploitation and I don't want to do it. Mm. So when the when the pandemic happened, I realized for the first time that I could show what my teaching looked like. Right. Let's show you the kids. Everything was great. And I was posting just because I was like posting right. and I started to get some attention, right? Then within maybe two months of me posting my first kind of teaching video, suddenly I was getting this feedback around every teacher should be like you or this is it. I What if I had this when I was a kid? Then suddenly um, I was on Today Show and right. I was like, this is the next Mr. Rogers. And then I was on Now This News. And then Sophia Bush had me on her podcast. And then Angela Rye had me on her podcast. And then like my favorite, one of my favorite bands had me come back, just, like backstage for their concert. Concert. And there what? was no space. Yeah, Portugal, the man. There was no <laughs> space to get better. I was going to leave the classroom and, and I was going to engage of this process of growing. And then when everything happened, it was like, oh, you're already good. And so what happened was there was no room for me to feel like I'm still learning. I had to be great. Right. And so I had this oh, that's content a lot of pressure. Issue. Oh, yeah. People were messaging me like people were calling my phone and being like, you're going to change the world. Like this lady was like, you are the next coming of Christ. And I was like, ma'am, please. Oh. Like I am literally Yikes. like trying to help kids like just. Right. Like, this is so stressful. People were messaging me and saying, like, this is the impact you have. And I was like, I haven't even, like, tried. I feel like I haven't right. even started this process. Right, right. Like, I was excited about this idea of growing my followers. But suddenly, because of all this pressure. You had, had those followers. And, all and then and then I had production companies saying, you're not doing enough. Why don't you have more followers? Why oh is your word. stuff not more viral? And I'm like, well, oh, so I'm not good. Again. Right. And so then I stopped posting or then I started posting stuff that I thought what people wanted. My TikTok got stale because people got tired of seeing someone talk nice to kids. They want more. They right, want more. Right. But I didn't even feel like I had the space to like experiment or try different things because I was so attached to like, I have to be good. I have to be good. And it has been so rough. Three weeks ago, I was in a place of almost hospitalizing myself oh. for my mental health because of the stress and the fear yes. and the pressure that I feel around like trying to pursue this thing and to have all to have that experience of like and, and this is who I've been as a kid like if you are not good at something you quit and I and I told myself I'm going to work I'm going to put practice and time and effort it's going to take a while and then I'm going to see the rewards but then immediately to go to Hoda who is a love Hoda, who is so like to, to have that kind of recognition. And then it's been almost two years since it happened. And I'm sitting here saying, well, I didn't do enough. And in fact, what I've been doing is growing. And in fact, I've right. been building relationships and building my style and building my content and building my vision. And growing up. <laughs> yeah. And learning how to deal with all this shit. Right. And, and now it's like, 
I understand where that paralyzing fear comes from. I post something on TikTok, I won't open it for a week because I'm so afraid of the Mm. feedback. And it's never negative. It's just not like, this isn't what we want. This is not the good we expect from you, right? Like, why are you trying? And then I look on TikTok and people are like, hey, I'm at the store, blah, 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 post. And they go about their business. And I'm like, (laughs) without this paralyzing fear of it being perfect, right? And I just think about that applies so much to when we have learners in the classroom, right? Who are afraid to even consider that they're bad at something because, and, and which is the first step of I want to get right. better is recognizing I don't have the skills or capacity right now, but because it's so much attached to their safety and their identity, mm-hmm. right? They're afraid. Yeah. And, and we, we just see it. I see it everywhere. I see it with adults. I see it with kids and it's how we're conditioned. And I think that if music, if I hadn't have found music at that age, if I hadn't had, if I didn't have a teacher that helped me build such a deep appreciation for something that helped me grow for something that unlocked something in me when I hear strings play right when I hear piano play when I hear someone sing uh, there's this young girl I'm following right now but this young woman and just hearing her sing I just the emotions I feel when I hear it nothing else gives me that feeling and and if I didn't have an opportunity to learn right? Like I wouldn't have had that experience. And so now I've been looking for ways because I'm trying to learn how to balance everything out, how I'm trying to say that people's opinions are just their opinions. Like I'm giving myself the time to grow. I'm not going to let anyone ruin my vision. I'm going to continue believing in this, but I need something in my life right now that allows me to feel that experience of getting better at something again. And even the video game stuff being attached with kids, it's not for Donovan. That's very Dono friend, right? Right, Donovan, I need to connect back with Donnie. I need to connect back with that process of I want to get better and what it feels like to hear myself progress, what it feels like to produce something that sounds good, to have that moment where I do the vibrato and I'm like, oh, I finally got it, right? (laughs) No, or I like, I I hit the fourth finger on the string and I'm right. so excited because I didn't have to do open. I need that experience in a, in, a, in a way to remind myself that it's okay to learn and it's okay to take your time. And that failing and making mistakes is part of it. And practice and time and effort will give you access to the things that you need and that you want. So basically what we're saying is get your viola. Yeah. <laughs> I need one. it. After this, we hang up. Do, 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 mom. I got to go to Cal. Well, I'm, it's funny because I'm going to California in two months to officiate my friend's wedding. And that's where it's at. And my brother texted me a couple days ago. He was like, I still have your viola. And I was like, Damn. I feel like this sounds like I'm a, you know, you're at a tarot card reading or something. But it's I true. Feel- <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Donovan, I'm reading your cards it's or whatever. True. Like, I feel like you need a place you need a a vehicle to kind of cry out yes in a powerful way um that can't be articulated with words and words are wonderful and necessary but music is a whole different thing and i can tell you get it because the truth is not everybody gets it you know i mean that's what i was thinking is like i've been i've been talking about as i'm as i'm having Dono friend as a public figure is tough. It's not a product. I don't get to 
offer right. the product and walk away. It's me, right? But at the same time, it is a product, but people often, you know, Donovan is Dono friend. Right. And so when I was thinking about if I have 100% capacity, I'm giving 95% to Dono friend mm-hmm. and it's showing up in everything. I go out on my, I was like out drinking with some, some people I met recently and they're like, oh, tell us about your work. And I was like, please, God, no, please <laughs> don't let, like, I just took a shot of whiskey. Like, I right. don't want to talk about the needs of kids right now. Right. Okay. But there's, whenever I start talking to people, it's, it's exhausting. It's the same mm-hmm. kind of like, damn, like I just yep. need something that allows me to find a voice for Donovan. And why not the thing that did when I was younger, Makes the sense. same thing that's been waiting, that's been yep. waiting there for me. And I just had to get over this fear of the process. And then if, if we want kids to grow, if we want young people to feel empowered, to become the best versions of themselves that they can, we have to normalize this feeling of it takes time. It takes practice and it takes effort and you will find your voice and you will find your strength and you will find your, you will find your way. Right. But we're in so many ways. It just, we're not setting people up for that. So I'm so grateful for this conversation because especially even today, just how exhausted I am, Mm. the thought of like, man, if I had my viola, I would go play. Yeah, I would go play tonight if I could. I would. And if anyone's listening to this, send me a viola. I was going to say. I'm going to say. I know my viola is out there. And my brother is like, I don't want to send it. Send it. Donovan's Donovan's brother. That is selfish. I don't don't know you. You seem like. He's holding on to it. He's He's like, I got it. You are withholding. And I do not approve. (laughs) Get get some stamps. Put them on the case. I've looked it up. It's like saved on my computer how to send a viola right. in the mail, like in the safe way. And I've had it saved, but do uh, it. yeah, that's that's do. the next step for me. Guys, let's um, we're gonna do a go, what do you call it? GoFundMe of like yes. how much does it cost to send a viola? You know, the the real thing that would help me, I think the real thing that I need is lessons and a teacher. I think that that it's not necessarily that I don't have the viola. I have the viola, but I need a teacher that understands this. So that's what I'm trying to manifest and kind of call into it is like, um, especially a young person, because I know that they're like, so if your son, um, I was just going to say, maybe you guys could literally just talk via zoom. With yeah, your I would love to any, anyone listening to this, if you have any ideas, but I, I just think, um, I just think it's really important that I don't know. I just think it's really important. I think this is a really important conversation and I feel really grateful because it allowed me to, to reflect on a deeper level around what took care of me as a young person. And I'm, I'm really grateful for you and I'm really grateful for Miss Moyer. Um, Thank and I'll you, send Ms. you the video. Yes. I know she's wonderful. She, it, the video is so sweet too. So I'll have to send it to you, but I feel like um, I saw that. Did you post that? Yeah, I did. I have a connection in my mind where like, were you like holding flowers? Yes, and I okay. played a really pretty song in the background. <laughs> yes, because music is so intense. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay, well, first of all, spell for me Dan Romer. Romer. Our, it- if you if you look at my Instagram, I posted uh, one of my favorite songs by him. Okay. And it was the song that helped me recover from all the loss that I had and feeling really, really low. And there's a song from Sleepwalking in the Rift called I Have What I Have. And it's in my story right now. Okay. So I tagged him. 
All right. I, I've been harassing this man for years, but he is, I just, now I think I understand a little bit more through processing this with you. I think I understand a little bit more of why he's been, his music has been so important to me because in a, in a way he, his music has helped me connect with my, the younger me that's been craving nurturing yeah. for so long. And I just yeah. didn't make that connection until today. Um, do you know, Miss Katie? Of co- I love her. She's, she's going to come on. She's okay. Gonna- have you, you've already connected with her? I have. And she's coming okay. on the podcast. We meet once a week. We're like really good friends. Uh, that's like, a that's a, that's a collaboration I want to get behind. She's my girl. I, oh, I'm like, I know I'm making a show for middle schoolers. Will you do the theme song? Yes. She's like, oh, so, she's like, oh, you're so sweet. Like, you don't have to. And I was like, Katie, like, I'm not doing that to be right. nice. Like, I'm, I'm actually asking you. asking you. Look, please include this. She wrote a song for a play, and it was about a seed growing into a big tree. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you something. She sent it to me. I was laying in bed. I was dealing with the stress of all this, right? Like, where am I going? I feel like I'm not doing anything. And I sobbed when I listened to this song that she wrote about a seed growing into a tree. And it was the most compassionate. It was like her music like cradled me. And I was like, I was like going about my business that the next couple of days. And I kept singing it to myself. And I, I and she is just like, what kids need? Yeah. Like, so I just, she is like, She's lovely. Oh. She's lovely. She's a genius. Yeah. And, and, and she's more heart. than, yeah. And she's more than lovely, but she is. Yes. <laughs> she is. I mean, she is lovely. Lovely yes. is a really great way to describe yeah. that. She's, she's one of the most lovely people that I know. Lovely. Yeah, like lovely know. in the most beautiful sense of yes. what that word means. Yes. Well, yes. Donovan yes. Taylor Hall. Thank you. Thank you for this conversation. It's one of the most wonderful, interesting provocative in the best way funny <laughs> was capitalism awesome. and white adult hello capitalism. <laughs> look out for my book coming out <laughs> middle-aged white guys and capitalism <laughs> ruining they america they love it they love me <laughs> this guy's trying to ruin america this guy's trying to ruin america we're all just trying to ruin america in our own special way <laughs> I have that all tattooed on my back, exactly <laughs> what you just said. I have a tattoo. No, let me stop. This is what's going to get me canceled. Well, like, I <laughs> just, you are, you are just a phenomenal human being. And me too, my friend. With your, like, your flaws and your perfections and your. Oh, you got to take it all. Damn, <laughs> I'm cohesive, baby. That's, you that's what I was saying to my You see, this is a whole package. You get the good and the bad. That's right. I can't separate the two anymore. <laughs> I love I when people are like, oh. don't have the capacity right. to do people that. People are work, like, so. Lisa, you're, you're so sweet. I'm like, no, I'm not. But thank you for saying that. <laughs> I love that you see my sweet moments. Yeah, I'm, I'm a lot of things, but I'm mm-hmm. not sweet. Um, you, I can't, I'm, I'm, I've learned from you. So I thank you for that. And I've also been inspired by the moments that you've stepped back, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, even not always knowing what's happening. Like there'll be moments when I'm like, I haven't seen him so much online and I hope everything's okay. But if it's not, I hope it will be. And yeah. I need 
I wish when I was younger, I understood more about stepping back and drawing boundaries. Uh, I'm learning it at 54, so it's yeah. a little, bit too late. But I've it's learned from too you. Late. <laughs> it's not too late. We're all learners. If we could all understand that we're all learning and growing, maybe kids wouldn't feel so isolated in yep. that struggle. Yep. You and know, I, I think it's a, a gorgeous thing to show that. And it's a gorgeous thing at any moment in your life to to want to do better for yourself or to want to do better for the world. I think that it's important that we can recognize that at any moment you can choose to do it. Yeah. Well, thank you, Donovan. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I and, really appreciate it. Um, hashtag get Donovan's viola. <laughs> viola my hashtag viola for Donnie. Oh, uh, Donnie's viola. D O N N I E for anyone who's manifesting <laughs> for me. D O N N I E, not D-O-N-N-Y. There is some teacher out there who's like, I got five violas sitting in my closet, not Just doing stop. anything. Help the universe out, okay? Give a viola to a kid in need. <laughs> anyway, thank you. I really do love you. I don't know how I can love, I love you when you. I never I really adore you. you. <laughs> I absolutely love and appreciate and adore you. And thank, thank you, you for and thank you for uh, having me on your platform. I really appreciate it. I mean, come on. Was that amazing or what? Could you feel those twists and turns of the conversation? So much laughter, honesty, pain, hope, love for music, and the ups and downs of working as an educator. What didn't we cover? I pray this was even one-tenth as powerful for you as it was for me, because this was a life-affirming conversation. Thank you so very much, Donovan, for attesting to the importance of teachers being honest and vulnerable about what music has meant to you for bringing me joy and making me think. I can't wait to hang out with you again. Before I sign off, as always, I'd like to encourage you to check out my Buy Me a Coffee site, a place where you can help support the work of the Music Ed Amplified podcast and guests like Donovan Taylor Hall. You can make a small donation or you can become a member at the Earl Grey or Afternoon Tea Levels. In addition to supporting the podcast, when you become a member, you get other benefits and fun stuff too, like graphics I've created for my classroom, giveaways, the huge batch of Move Along with Dr. Strong cards, lesson plan ideas and resources, and something like the following shout-outs I'm about to do for our latest group of new members from the Afternoon Tea Level. I'm excited to say we have over 40 new afternoon tiers since the last time I made this announcement at the end of the summer. Also, since I don't always get to see the actual names of people when they sign up, you might just hear me winging it for some new members. Thank you to Kelly W., Chelsea K., Susan L., Allie G., Becky K., Heather F., Virginia W., Anna A., Melissa M, Hillary T, Ula P, Christine C, Denise P, Kim, <laughs> I have no last name, Mary S, Erica L, Ben G, not Benji, Ben G, Danny B, Amy S, Erin B, Soprano176, Caitlin N, Lee B, Danielle E, Emily K, Amy S, 
Valerie R., Emily S., Alicia C., Emily S., Eileen P., Melody M., Tracy, Emily, Luba, Ashley, Olivia C., Helena B., Heather M., and Chase W. I truly am thankful to each and every one of you for joining and for your encouragement. I appreciate it so much. If you are interested in finding out more about it and you want to support the work of the podcast, please check it out at buymeacoffee.com slash missystrong. Or you can also check out my teacher pay teacher store, Music Ed with Missy. For questions about the podcast, write to docstrong at gmail.com or reach out to Music Ed with Missy on Facebook or Instagram or on Twitter at docstrong26. Our podcast music was composed and performed by Jeremy and Owen Strong. Jeremy also serves as the audio engineer and editor for the podcast. If you enjoyed this debut episode of season three, please subscribe and rate it wherever you listen. I would also love it if you shared it with other educators, which is a great way to get the word out. As always, I'd like to thank you for spending time with me. I know for sure you are busy and life is demanding a lot from you. I hope it was worthwhile and that you were motivated to reflect on your philosophy and practice. I'll see you next time, but until then, keep doing all you can to create a more musical, joyful, thoughtful, just world for your students, families, and community. 